This episode is brought to you by Our Daily Bread Ministries, a global media organization that makes the life-changing wisdom of the Bible understandable and accessible to all. Visit whereyou'refrom.org for more information. That's where, Y-A, from, dot O-R-G. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here, and in association with my good friends at Preaching Today and Food for the Hungry, I bring you a podcast that hopefully helps you get better at the craft of teaching and preaching and communicating God's Word while always hoping and ensuring that our character leads the way. Well, today I, I'm excited because um, someone that I dearly, dearly love, he's actually been a guest on the podcast before. He's a church planner. He's, he's a young gun. He's, he's Micah E. Davis. And um, I've just known this guy for the last number of years. And, and I, I had known Micah, but I also knew um, about this other guy named Justin uh, Davis and his wife, Trish, uh, but I didn't know that that was Micah's dad. And so um, over the last maybe six Nine months, um, I've been able to get more familiar uh, and connected with with Justin. And I, I got to tell you, he um, wrote a book that came out uh, late last year um, called Being Real is Greater Than Being Perfect. And sometimes you you have a book that comes across your desk and um, I don't know if it's like the right time. I don't know if it's just, um, I don't know if it's like about identity. It's just something that like resonates. Um, but I, I think as we're still kicking off 2024, I just, I thought, man, this, this is a message um, that I think honestly could be an incredible sermon series. But I think this is a message that... I think for all of us pastors, especially when we get up on stage and sometimes we start teaching and are, are you know, exaggerating and trying to, to be the funniest or be the smartest or be the brightest or have it all together. And sometimes we don't necessarily know how to actually be real um, when we're on a platform. And this is one thing I just really appreciate about Justin. Um, he's a pastor. He's a he's church planted. He, he preaches all over the country. He and his wife lead this incredible marriage ministry called Refine Us. We'll talk about that in a moment. But um, I just thought maybe we could just have an honest conversation about how do, how do you be real from the stage, from the platform? Um, how, how do we do that? Um, because there's so many great nuggets from, from his book. So without further ado, Justin Davis, welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Thanks so much, Steve. I really appreciate you having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome, man. Well, hey, talk about a little bit of the genesis. Why this book? What's the origin story? Because I always think that's really fascinating where, you know, it, it's it's an 18-month to two-year process. You know, yeah. it's a labor of love. You're having to, like, write and then edit and then question, you, you know, <laughs> why am I doing this? Exactly. You know, like, talk, but just talk about the, the the origin of why this book, why now? And that is such a good question. And really, um, I, I got to go back probably 12 years because this book has probably been 10 years in the making. My wife and I uh, wrote a book in 2013 called Beyond Ordinary, When a Good Marriage Just Isn't Good Enough. And it chronicles kind of our journey as, you know, young pastors in love, ready to change the world for Christ. And then uh, 10 years into marriage, our marriage imploded due to infidelity. And kind of the restoration story after that event. 
And so that book really enabled us to start traveling and speaking at different churches and, and, and doing marriage conferences. But inevitably, after we would speak at a church or after we would share our story, people would come up and say, how? Like, how did you really experience transformation? How did you really become something new? How did you put the baggage of the past really in the past and start living, you know, in the preferred future that God had for you? And so um, our, our book did relatively well. And so our agent came to us and said, hey, would you guys have an idea for another book? And this, this book, Being Real is Greater Than Being Perfect, it didn't start as that title, but I just kind of erupted the outline of it and shared it with my agent. And he was like super pumped about it. This is like in 2015. And he's like, this is going to be unbelievable. I can't wait to pitch this. Crickets no offers. And I just, I, I felt so defeated because I feel like this book specifically is my life message. Like I felt like I spent the first 10 years of my pastoral ministry building my giftedness and neglecting my character. Wow. And, and so I felt like this book answered the question of how do you really experience transformation? How do you not pretend when you're on the platform to be more spiritual than you really are, but you can actually experience the life transformation that you're preaching about. And so through a number of different circumstances, and it was actually after our church plant closed in 2022 that um, I was offered a book deal to, to write the book. And so there was like this death of a dream with the church and then this resurrection of, the, of a dream uh, with this book. And so um, the book really, uh, it's, it's uh, as Micah, as you mentioned, my son, he texted me over Christmas break and he's like, I just reread your book over the break. He's like, I've never seen a book that could be a prequel to a book and a sequel to a book all at the same time. And so it kind of, it dances between the before story of Beyond Ordinary and the after story of Beyond Ordinary, but it's not about marriage. It's all about character development. Yeah, it, no, it really is about character development. And I, I, I was really um, impressed by so many um, moments in the book. I, I, I'm curious, you know, you talked about the the pursuit of your craft and of, you know, kind of the, the role at, at the expense of character, you know, mm -hmm. and obviously that's the whole heartbeat of this podcast. And yeah. I think it's one of the reasons why when I read the book, I was like, oh, dude, this is, this is like, this is both um, an honest look at what can happen if you don't take your character seriously. Mm -hmm. And it's also a you know, the, the sequel line that Micah just shared, yeah. a picture of what happens when you do take your character seriously, you know? Yeah. And so let's just talk maybe just about that because um, you, you write just with a level of vulnerability, um, mm -hmm. even just where, you know, I think, I think oftentimes so many people just will try to manage and try to like, ah, it wasn't, you know, it, I mean, the way I, I've heard you talk, Micah talk. I mean, it's like your family, um, almost has like an uncomfortable rawness to it. Like where mm. I'm, I'm like, you're the, the curtain is just open and you're just like, here's, here's our life. And I think that's, there's something that you guys do where it's not the story. It's the, it's, it's Christ at work. And, but it's, it, it's like, you guys just have shown your work. And I, it's, yeah. I don't know, maybe it's cause I got a son who's in, you know, AP math, algebra, whatever it is in high school, it's way beyond me. But the teacher's always like, 
hey, you got the right answer, but I got to see how you got there. And I feel yeah. like this book really shows the process to being real. Um, talk about maybe just those first um, kind of like sections of the book and like what like <clears throat> for you, you were like, man, I, this is this is what I'm trying to attack. This is what I'm yeah. going after. Yeah. Well, the the heart of the book is that, you know, more people are attending church today than any time in human history, and yet very few people are changing. And so we, we're focused on church attendance, and we're focused on church growth, and we're focused on, you know, getting, you know, people in seats and back from COVID and re-engaged and the offering up. But we're not, we don't see the transformation that, that Christianity promises, right? And so what happens, and I think this happens in the life and hearts of pastors too, is we try really hard to overcome a sin or overcome a temptation. And when, when there's, there's a gap in all of us between who we are and who we're pretending to be, yep. right? Everybody has a gap in yep. their life. I think when you don't address that gap with vulnerability and authenticity, it continues to grow. Like it doesn't shrink naturally. You have to, that's why James chapter five, verse 16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other, not for forgiveness, but for healing. So there's a cathartic aspect of vulnerability. But I think the heart of the book is how can we stop pretending to be better than we really are and be more spiritual than we really, really are and actually experience the heart transformation that Christ promises and that he has the power to do. And for me, I, I was an athlete in high school and college, and I was very goal-oriented, very driven. And I carried that drivenness and that goal orientation into ministry and into marriage. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know this to be a fact, but I don't think that speakers at the Catalyst Conference are are identified were, or were identified by their level of patience or humility or love, right? They were always identified by their church attendance or how great their ministry was going. And so that was the mental picture I had as a young leader of if you are going to be anything in ministry, the visible success is what is more most important. So that became the pursuit, right? And and so um, when, when the affair came out in 2005 and everything imploded, I, I was left with nothing but Jesus. And I realized that he was all I needed in that moment. And it was only through the power of transparency, not accountability, but transparency in the context of accountability that I was able to experience the transformation that I had been working so hard for. And, um, and so that really became kind of the bedrock of our marriage. It became the bedrock of our family. And, you know, Mike is 27 now. He was nine when, when the affair happened. Um, and so he's had that aspect of our life kind of baked into his DNA. And, and, and that's one of the things that we say in our family is like, you, you belong here no matter, no matter what. So this is a safe place. So you can be your most authentic self. And I think, that's been the hope of the book is that it provides kind of a covering of safety for everyone to really evaluate, do I really want authenticity? Because it comes at a price. Hmm. But the payoff for it is actually what we most desperately need, and that's transformation. Yeah. I, I want to go back to that that gap that you were talking about, you know, because mm -hmm. I think it's it's to one thing. And, you know, if you if you got a gap you know, which we all do, like you said, in, in character or with an issue and, you know, you work in the, the marketplace or, you know, you, you get the, the chance to, 
stay at home um, with your family and, or you, you know, you, you it, it, it's like a different piece sometimes when you're preaching mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be, but it, it's almost like Definitely is. this, this perception that this person's healthier and holier and farther along, which is not true. It's just like they they know how to open up a Bible and and talk. Right. Um, this doesn't necessarily mean just because they can play three strings on a guitar that they are more deep with Jesus. They just have a gift in that area. But I think oftentimes in the church side, to your point, one of the hardest kind of struggles where we have with getting to real authenticity and vulnerability and transparency and transformation is because of the lack of vulnerability met with the perceived perception of the person, male or female on stage teaching or leading. Yeah. And so we're not seeing it like practiced and played out. What would you say? Cause we got younger pastors. We got, you know, pastors my age and um, pastors in way older and wiser. But what do you, how from the stage do we, do we not give this perception that we're perfect and holier, but actually embody the, the heartbeat of the book as preachers and teachers? That's such a good question. I think it's such a, it's a, it's a struggle uh, for any vocational pastor couple things that come to mind. Um, about six weeks before the affair began, um, a guy in my church, he was on our board of the church that we had just started. We, uh, we started a church in 2002. It had gone from about 15 people to 700 people in three years. So we were raising money. We were, you know, going a million miles an hour, which was part of the problem. But he asked if I could come over to his house and go on a four-wheeler ride after church on Sunday. And you know, those pastors out there, you know, you don't want to do anything on Sunday except for watch football and take a nap, right? But I just felt like, okay, I need to go do this. And so we got on this four-wheeler ride and we're sitting um, on these four-wheelers kind of throwing rocks into this pond out in this huge uh, kind of farm that he owned. And um, he starts sharing with me very vulnerably, which he was a CEO of a company of like 600 employees, which is very odd for him, about some marriage trouble he's going through. And I felt in that moment that the Holy Spirit prompted me and said, you could share with him. Yeah, You could share with him what you're struggling with. You could share with him your marriage issues. And at the same time, Steve, I thought, he's my biggest donor. Mm-hmm. He, he's the chairman of my board. Yeah. He could get me fired. Yeah, Like there is no way I can yeah. share with him. And so that voice just dialed down the prompting of the Holy Spirit to where I, I, I didn't share. And so fast forward five or six years later, I went on staff in 2009 at Crosspoint Church in Nashville, and I was there for six years and um, got to really talk with a lot of influential leaders during that season. And when our book came out, Trish and I felt prompted to gather the leaders of all of the major church planting networks and really talk about this dynamic of anytime you tie moral performance to a paycheck, there is hiddenness because your moral performance is dependent on your family paying the mortgage and wow. eating. And so, you know, we, I think we met with Greg Surratt. We met with, um, you know, the Stadia guys. We, we met with um, uh, Acts 20, 
you know, the X, the X 29 network, all those, all those guys at that time and just said, please develop some type of mechanism within your organization that provides a level of safety for pastors to say, we're struggling without the fear of being fired, without the fear of losing their ministry. And so I think as a, as a young leader, or as a pastor, what, what I would tell you is, you know, Jesus says the truth will set you free. What he conveniently leaves out is it will make you miserable first. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found is that short-term misery for that long-term freedom is a trade worth making. And the earlier you can make it, the less consequences it's going to have on you, your family, and your ministry. And I know it's scary, um, but for me, what has been such a saving grace over the last, you know, 10 years has been a counselor. Yeah. It doesn't go to my church that I can that I can pour my heart out to in all aspects of vulnerability and can help guide me through the the steps of restoration that need to take place if I'm, if my struggle is deeper than um you know than than someone in my church could help me with. That's so good. I I I want to like double click on that for a second because I think that's really I think really really powerful to what you just said. Um, you know, I, I remember early in ministry. You know, I. I was walking out on our college campus and someone gave me a credit card. Um, you know, they're, they're all out. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. It's like free money, you know? And exactly. I, and my dad had taught me how to handle money, but I, I never had had a credit card, you know? And so I just was like, boom, 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 you know, you graduate. And, um, I had credit card debt, you know, I start getting into ministry early on. I start teaching and, I figured, you know, I'm going to go to one of these budget classes. Me and my wife, like, we're early ministry. Like, let's go. And I show up actually as a as a student to learn to get back on track. And everyone in that room, 100 people in that room, were like, hey, Pastor Steve. that." And all of a sudden, that same dial that you were talking about, I was like, oh, you can't talk honestly about your financial struggles. Mm. Because now these people are looking at you as like you're one of the leaders of our tithes and offerings. And if you can't, if you're struggling with balancing a budget in your home life, how can we trust you with our generosity? Like, and and I wasn't even the lead pastor, but I could feel all of that swimming within. And I just, I mean, I I was like, I, I totally played the situation was like, well, you know, we got to have a pastor here and I just wanted to be here. It's, it's probably good for me to learn too. And, and I wasn't honest. Right. And I needed it. And those, and the principles I learned got us back on track, but it was, I felt like if I was really honest, I was going to be bursting someone's bubble of yeah. how they saw me. Yeah. And that just the way you talked about that dial and I just, and I was like, man, I, I never want to feel that way. Mm. Um, and so oftentimes I think for many pastors, they don't want to feel that cognitive dissonance. So they opt out from a marriage retreat. They opt right. out from the level of vulnerability. They opt out from those moments when the, and they just turn that dial down. And I think you're so right. The long-term consequences. I, I want to go to your book because you talk about the secret sauce of transformation. And I, I think this is, um, there's something about this for me because I, I, I really believe um, I want healthy pastors, healthy preachers, mm, yeah. healthy leaders, and leaders who aren't transferring information but are speaking from a profoundly transformed place. And you kind of like walk this whole um, 
this whole piece out. Um, just talk about transformation and then your your view of the secret sauce and what you call it. Yeah, well, one of the things that I realized is um, I I can put maximum effort into my own um, incremental change and see results, right? I, I mean, I can stop, I can cuss less or I can stop cussing or I can, you know, um, avoid, you know, movies or television shows that cause me to lust. But my effort only goes so far. And so really one of the things I talk about in the book is how we can move from perfect to real. In other words, how can we shrink that gap of who we're pretending to be into who we actually are? Because that is the essence of character, right? Like the character and integrity is the, an integration of, of who people perceive you to be and who you actually are. And one of the things that I've realized in my own life is transformation isn't about trying harder, it's about surrendering more. And so what does that look like? That's kind of an abstract thought, even in, even for Christians and even for pastors, you know, okay, surrender. Uh, that's, 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 that's cute. Um, and so I kind of walked down this path of, and one of the things that came to mind as you were talking about your uh, credit card and, and that class story is, you know, one of the things that I think it's essential for pastors to realize is that brokenness isn't weakness. Yeah. Admitting brokenness isn't actually weakness. It's it's the pathway by which we experience the power of Christ to heal us. Yeah. Right. And so we all we all have brokenness. We all have uh, mistakes that we're hiding. We all have, you know, sins that we wish we didn't commit. But the the secret sauce to transformation is not accountability. I had an accountability partner that I met with every Tuesday and I still cheated on my wife. I wasn't transparent in the context of that accountability. And so be, having a person in your life that you can be vulnerable with, that you can be transparent with, that will still love you and accept you, but won't enable you, yeah. I think is the secret sauce to transformation. And, and you know, you've seen the statistic that I've seen about pastors and loneliness and how many close friends pastors actually have. The, yeah. the, the numbers are, are depressing, right? Yeah. And, they're, um, and, and so many pastors that I talk to, that, I, that my wife and I, uh, we do um, coaching, and we have, we have five or six pastor couples that we're meeting with right now, and they just they feel isolated is, is how I would describe them. And I, I, there's one couple specifically where I, we got off our call last week and I said, I think they're paying us just to be their friends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they don't really have a lot of marriage problems going on. They just yeah. don't have anybody they can talk to. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, being real isn't about sharing from the pulpit, you know, the fight you just had with your wife last night. It, it's more about a commitment to an interior life that has no secrets not necessarily with your congregation, but with someone that you can trust in your life. That's so good. Yeah, I think that's really, really important. I do think loneliness is a huge, huge issue. Um, you know, my my best friend, he lives out in California. You know, we, we probably talk every other day at least. Um, and I, I took this line from a buddy of mine, Dane Sanders, and he always says, when, when it comes to accountability, um, he says, it is a privilege to give an account of who you really are and what is really going on. Like that is what mm. accountability is. Like you recognize the privilege it is to bear what is actually going on in your soul, the disintegration. That's good. Um, and I think like we really just chop about that. 
And it's interesting because I actually chair my best friend's board. And so like he, you know, we've had to have these honest conversations where I'm like, dude, I will, I will resign my post if, if there's like a faux vulnerability or if there is some sense of hiddenness or secret. And, and I need to be really, really honest with you. Um, And so it's just, I think that is such um, a huge piece. I hope every pastor listening to this, like um, sometimes you got to have, you know, you little throw back to junior high, the DTR, you know, the define the relationship. But like, yeah. I, you know, I, I needed to do that with a couple guys in my life to be like, Hey, I, I want to be there for you. And I would, I would love for you to be there with, for me. And can we, can we have like these real honest human conversations? Cause to your point, um, you don't transform when a whole bunch of stuff is, is living in secret. And then, yeah. and, and, you know, so. Well, and I think, one of the biggest obstacles to that type of life. And I talk about this in the book is shame, right? Like yes. shame convinces you, well, you're a horrible pastor. If you, you know, no other pastor in America struggles with what you struggle with. Nobody's insecure like you. Nobody is, you know, uh, you know, getting their, their messages off the internet like you, like whatever, whatever it is that you are feeling like you can't admit or hide the enemy tries to tell you you're the only one. Yeah. And I think that shame piece, it, it has a cyclical effect in our ministry, in our relationship with God. And so we, we have this, this courage that we have to maybe confess. And then if it's not received well, or if we have baggage from a former you know, relationship, or we were a part of a church ministry and we were actually vulnerable and someone used that against us and we think, okay, I'm never sharing again, right? And, and so that shame piece, I think, is a huge inhibitor, not only to um, being transparent, but also for the spiritual growth that Christ, Christ came not to make us feel ashamed, that conviction's different than shame. And so, you know, Christ died for our shame. And so trying to get over that shame or, or choosing to give away our shame is really an essential part of living a lifestyle of authenticity. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought that whole piece on shame, I mean, what a, because that's really, I, I think for many of us, one of the driving motivators to be perfect, you know, is like, or to not be real. Um, mm-hmm. And just the way that you outlined that and talked about it. I mean, I think any person, wherever they are on the spiritual spectrum, it's, it's like you were speaking to them, you know? Mm. And I think it's because we all, we all have these internal bouts, these wrestling matches, you know, with shame and identity and that gap. And you just do a great job of just unpacking that. Justin, I'm, I have this like sense that this would be an amazing sermon series. Um, yeah. And I think like, you know, for me, you know, I'm always thinking sermon series, where are we at in the church calendar? You know, um, Easter comes March 31st. And then you got, you kind of got this six week window between Easter and Mother's Day. Or you got like a four or five week window between Mother's Day and Father's Day, or you come out of Father's Day and, you know, you got to march into the, the, the summer months. I feel like, and you come out of an amazing Easter service. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, come back. We're going to talk about what it means to, to be honest, to be human, to be real. Yeah. Um, if you were if you were gonna do like a five week series, six week series, like yeah. I'm, you know, obviously I never I never give my questions beforehand. Um, I've always <laughs> want to put people on the spot a little bit, yeah. but I'm sure you've thought about this as a preacher and communicator. Yeah. 
do you do you do you agree with me? Like, do you feel like this this book has the the makings of a of a great sermon series? Yeah, I actually um, I have a five four or five week sermon series called Greater. Oh no way, that's awesome! That I could give away to any pastor that wants it. Uh, so we can put that in the show notes. We can put a link to it. They can download it for free. Um, it's got all the outlines. I believe there's some manuscripts there too, and there's graphics. Um, it doesn't necessarily go. Uh, five, it's not five weeks on the book. It's called greater. So, you know, being real is greater than being perfect is one week. Um, grace is greater than resentment is another. Like, so there's different topics, but it's all yeah. on that, on that, that topic of greater. But as, as far as the book is concerned, I feel like the path from perfect to real that I outlined in the book is um, five chapters. And yeah. it's, it's really the meat of the book. That's what it's I was my, thinking. My, yeah. So like, you know, realize brokenness isn't weakness. Let go of people pleasing. Be brutally honest with God. The people who were closest to Jesus were the most honest with him. Yep. Um, give away your shame and then rediscover your identity. So those five topics, I think, are everything that people in our churches are struggling with. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so true. And I mean, in that last one, because you know, towards the end of the book, I'm like remembering right now, you have like this, you use the phrase like preferred future, um, yeah. but uh, earlier, but there's the, there, like, was it embracing God's preferred picture, picture, picture. of yep. you? Yeah. Like, I almost like that, that, like, I kept thinking like, what an amazing way to end a series is like having this sense of, oh, wow. Like this is this is God's preferred picture of me, preferred picture of you. Like I, I just, yeah. I keep thinking about like people in the congregation being able to like write that out and read it to people in their small group or life group, like just in this sense of like, and this is his preferred picture of me. And not like with some, you know, nine syllable word to try and seem holy, but just in the real honest um, way but I, but those five, I was, I felt the same thing when I was reading your book. I was like, oh, this, this journey, these five, like there's, there's meat on the bone right there for, for a message series. Yeah. And one of the, one of the things we talk about in discovering God's preferred picture of you is, you know, the Brendan Manning and how he uses this term called wounded healer. Mm. And it's really, you know, helping your congregation then leverage everything they thought was negative about them their divorce, their addiction, um, you know, their, the problem they have with their uh, adult child, leveraging that and allowing the wound of that to then bring healing to other people. And so it's like, you can talk about being honest about these things and, and surrendering these things to the Lord, but then also allowing God then to leverage them to bring healing and freedom to other people. And I mean, that's, that's Dave Ramsey, right? I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, yep. look at anybody who has uh, done anything significant for God. It's usually people who have started with what they used to struggle with and are helping other people not struggle with that. And so I think uh, there's a, there's a huge opportunity for pastors to kind of leverage that in the context of a sermon series. And I think those, those middle five chapters would really serve uh, a sermon series. Well, I, I, I did this talk, um, a couple of years ago and you, what you just shared, like reminded me of it. Um, and I'll, I'll say why in a second, but I, I started out with a bunch of name tags and I just said, Hey, what do you all not like about me? And, and just 
the congregation just like, you talk about Michigan football too much. You say literally <laughs> too often, you know, uh, you always wear the same clothes. Like just, they're just, and, and it was playful. And I was like, all right, all right, like, give me a little bit more. And like, people are like, well, and I'm like, let's just talk. Like, what about this? What about, you know, and, and I, everything that they're writing, I'm just putting and like putting name tags on me with all of this stuff. And, and then I just, I just talked about, man, how, how, the cross is this this place to, that takes all that shame, you know? And like, and what we ended up doing is like for communion, people came forward to receive communion, but then they they first stopped at the cross and they put a couple name tags up somewhere on the cross of all of these places where they were, had hidden brokenness, you know? And, mm. but the art installation that that became and that's like last weekend, I just saw it again. It was just like all of these names and words and phrases. And you're like, oh my goodness, like all this stuff that our people are carrying. Yeah. And man, it's just weighty. And it's yeah. just, it's tiring and it's exhausting. But once you bring that stuff out into the open, when you can consent to reality and say, you know, Yes, I did this. Yes, I struggle with this. Yes. Then it's like, oh my goodness, that that brokenness going through a beautiful struggle could actually be such a profound blessing to other people who might be headed down that same path. And I think for for what's been so beautiful about the redemption story in the Davis household has been, man, like what God has done, yes, through the the book and and yes, through the preaching. But really, to see what you and Trish have done through refine us, and mm-hmm. you know, typically you, you, it's it's pretty much every weekend. It feels like in February, you guys are doing some kind of wedding or not wedding marriage conference. Yeah, talk talk a little bit about refine us and what that is, because I just feel like most pastors don't go to marriage conferences, um, and I think we need <laughs> them. Um, or so just 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 process that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was one of those pastors that never went to a marriage conference, um, and now I now I lead them. So God has a really <laughs> good sense of humor. But I, you know, I, I know you know Aaron Brockett. Oh, love uh, the guy. Yeah, Aaron's a, a, one of my uh, best friends here in Indy, and uh, he's just been such a huge supporter of of me, Trish, our ministry. Um, but when the affair happened in 2005, I got out of ministry, never thought I was going to go back into ministry again, and got into the secular workforce, was doing really well. And I met Aaron through a mutual friend, and he asked us in 2009 to share our story at Trader's Point for the very first time. And my wife was like, no. And, uh, and he's like, pray about it. So he ended up interviewing us uh, in early 2009, and it was super raw, super just uh, vulnerable, and people stayed at the church, like lined up to talk to us till like 4.30 in the afternoon. Wow. We had to have my mom come like from 45 minutes away to get our kids to take them home. Like it was just, it was such a Holy Spirit moment. And then really, Steve, that kind of launched us. Like we started sharing our story. And then I was, one of my other good friends was a pastor in Nashville at the time. And um, I called him and I said, Hey, I said, I don't know what to do. Like we went from never talking about this to now we, we put our name and our email address in the bulletin back when people had bulletins and cause we wanted to help people at Trader's Point. Well, we had 160 people reach out to us. Wow. So my wife is doing coffee like four times a week. I'm, I'm meeting with guys. I'm addicted to porn. I'm, I'm struggling with my wife. And, and so it was super emotional. 
my friend's like, you should start a blog. I'm like, what is that? And I didn't even know what that was. It wasn't on Facebook or anything like that. And so that's really how we started Refine Us as kind of this opportunity to speak into to marriages. And our, our first blog series was eight things that destroyed our marriage. And mm-hmm. back before viral was a thing, it kind of took off. And, and that really became the backbone of the book we would write, you know, four years later. Um, but one of the thing, one of our hearts is we want to restore hope and renew relationships in the hearts of, of people. And so how we do that is through marriage conferences. You know, we, we used to do between 12 and 16 conferences a year, usually Friday night and Saturday morning, about 80% of the time we'll stay over and speak on Sunday at the church. Um, and then we, uh, we also coach couples, um, in ministry, outside of ministry, um, through, through Zoom. Uh, we have a coaching program that we have had almost 100 couples go through over the last few years. Um, but we've done that for 10 years, but really kind of more intentionally over the last uh, two or three. And then we create resources, free resources, um, to help couples who are struggling with rebuilding trust or forgiveness, some of the, some of the broken places of... And then we do a, a weekend, uh, like an intensive in uh, Nashville, uh, every year. So our, our next one is coming up uh, May the 3rd through the 5th, I think. Yeah, May 3rd through the 5th of this year. Um, and so uh, so those are the the ways that we we want to serve the church um, is kind of our heart. We, we love the local church and we realize that as marriages in the church get healthier, communities get healthier. Yeah. Right. And families get healthier and kids stay with their parents. They're not living in two separate homes. And so if we can partner with pastors to help the marriage and family stay strong in their local congregation. It's a win, not just for that weekend, but for literally for generations. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's so much beauty in what you're talking about. And, and I, you know, I go back to uh, what you said, you know, an, a few minutes back, just uh, one couple that you were meeting with last week, you're like, I think that they're just actually paying us to, <laughs> to be, their, to be friends. their friends, you know, but I, but I think that's one of the beautiful ways at which you and Trish, um, pastor and shepherd and coach is the way that you two hold space for people. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that again, there's this vulnerability and I think for, for some of you who are listening, you know, um, you, you, you might, you might often think, oh, these things are for marriages that are like not doing well. Um, and sure, yeah, go talk to them. But I'm, I think the majority of us are in marriages that are like, okay, that are maybe good-ish, you know what I mean? And yeah. it, 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 it's, it's, it's the pressures of life and young kids or becoming empty nesters and up going through a building project or friends leaving the church, people moving away, all of that stuff has an effect on you, your spouse, and has an effect on it differently. Yeah. And, and then every seven days you're getting up in front of people yeah. and every Tuesday or Wednesday you're leading a staff and a couple of times a month you're meeting with elders and, ooh, and it's, 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 it's a grind. And so I just say like, Hey, there's, there's no shame in actually consenting to reality and going, it's, my marriage isn't where I want it to be right now. And I, I need some help. And I just say, 
you need to check out um, refinance.org. Um, check out what, mm-hmm. what just, Justin and Trish are doing. I, I'll tell you, Justin's awesome. I'm a big fan. Um, Trish is the moneymaker. I'm just going to say, <laughs> just going to say, she, oh she's, she, the two of them together are just absolutely so powerful. And um, Trish will just, she has a way of just um, asking great questions, but, but making you feel safe, um, seen, known, loved. Um, and I, I think that there's something here. I, I, I almost feel this like Holy Spirit prompting right now just to say, I think that there's some of you who are listening to this podcast. You're driving your car right now. You're working on a sermon. You're going for a walk. And um, you, you, you know, you know that um, if you're really going to put this book that we've just been talking about into practice, and, you know, there's a little bit of a gap if, between maybe what you're trying to have people believe about your marriage and what it really is. And it's not too late. It's not too late just to, just to get it healthier. And that's the beauty of a new year sometimes is just being able to take those conscious choices. Um, Justin, if, if people were listening to this and go, man, you know what? Um, there's something what Steve's saying that I, I resonate with. Yeah. What would you say would be a healthy first step um, for engaging or interacting or connecting with Refinus? Well, first of all, I think for the pastor or pastor's wife that may be listening to this um, or pastor's spouse that may be listening to this, I want to say you're not alone and you're not crazy. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes you just need to hear that, that if you are struggling in your marriage, um, you're, you're not alone, you're not crazy, and it's not too late. Um, I think the, the best thing would be um, go to our website, refineus.org. Um, we have a, we try to keep it pretty simple. We have just a few tabs at the top. One is for speaking, one is for coaching. Um, but I, my personal email address is jdavis at refineus.org. And uh, you can shoot me a, a private email. And sometimes you just need somebody that is not on your board or is not in your small group to be able to, to share those things with. And, and we want to be a resource for pastors. And so that's our heart and would love to, to come around you in this season in whatever way we can. That's awesome. Hey, um, I'd love to just ask like one and a half more questions. One and a half questions. Um, and it just dawned on me right when you gave your email address out and I love that because you are profoundly accessible. And, you know, then I go back to what happened in 2009 um, <laughs> when you were at Traders Point and Hugh Jackman, a.k.a. Wolverine, a.k.a. Aaron Brockett was... Um, <laughs> was uh, I never put that together. Now I'm not going to be able to unsee it. I tell you, I'm telling you what, man. Every time I see him, I'm always like, it's Wolverine. I love him to death. He's an amazing leader, pastor, shepherd, just a good soul. Yeah. But you have this long line and, and people are sharing and they're yeah. opening up. Yeah. And I think I think one of the the silent soul stealers for the pastor and the preacher is they don't necessarily know what to do with the weight of the ache of the people in their congregation. Mm-hmm. And it just like, you know, I mean, you go from a funeral to a divorce to a person leaving staff to confession of moral failure to the reality of bankruptcy to 
And so much of it is like you can't necessarily fix in a 45-minute coffee. Yeah. As someone who has had to hold and the trust of so many stories of real people going through real stuff, how do you, how do you, how do you hold that in a way that you honor it, but it doesn't, you don't take it on, you don't become like responsible for it. It doesn't drain your, like, do you have any practices? For instance, I I always heard that Rick Warren had a trash can outside his house and on his way into his house, he'd always like lift it up and just almost be like this. So much stuff was not meant for me to carry. It was just this mental prop and he'd close it. And now I can be fully present at home. Just how do you do that um, with all that you and Trish have to carry and do that in a way that's, you still have so much joy and energy. How do you do that? Well, I mean, I think it, one, I mean, it, I've had 25 years of pastoral ministry to kind of um, fail, right? And and fall down and, and figure some things out. I came to a crossroads in my ministry, um, probably it was during COVID, uh, as many pastors probably did. Uh, we had a couple that left our church. Um, I had baptized him and dedicated their two kids. I hadn't, I had known him since, uh, he was 10 years old and, um, you know, he, they left the church through a text message and I went into my counselor. I thankfully it was on a Tuesday and I went into my counselor on Thursday and I just kind of started vomiting on my counselor. And, and I just said, I can't believe they left. And uh, he's like, well, what does that mean to you? I said, it means that if they leave, everyone will leave or everyone can leave. And he said something, Steve, that really helped me. He said, if you need people to feel val- validated in ministry, you're always going to use them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, whether you want to or not, because they're, they're, they're providing something for you that only God can provide. Yeah. And so I've really carried that over the last few years to help me measure what I try to be for people. I can be a counselor. I can be a coach. I can be a confidant. I can be a friend. I can't be a Messiah. Yeah. I can't be a savior. I, I can't be Jesus for them. And, and I think that's the hardest line we get into ministry because we want to point people to Jesus and inevitably we start pointing people to ourselves. Wow. And, and it's not because we are egotistical. It's not because we're arrogant. It's because there's an insecurity in us that if left unchecked and and left unattended will inevitably put you in the place of being the savior. Mm. And, and it's just not a weight you can carry. It's, it's, it's not. And so I think for, for me, there's we're we're navigating some I mean we're navigating some really difficult situations and and a lot of people are are in crisis um, throughout the people that we're we're working with and and we but at the same time I think keeping that perspective of I'm not God yeah. I can be used by God to facilitate truth and I'm not responsible for the results I'm going yeah. to I'm going to do what God has called me to do and I'm going to pray that God shows up as they're putting in the work and I think for a pastor that is so hard. Because we not only measure ourselves by the the results, oftentimes we're measured by people in our congregation, 
or, or by our boards by the results. And so I think faithfulness has, has lost out to success so much um, and that we're pursuing success and not faithfulness. And so I think if, if you're struggling with carrying the weight of your ministry, I get it, but I would maybe encourage you to evaluate where are the places? Is it with my staff? Is it with a couple in Christ? Is it with my board? Where I'm pointing people to me, like I'm the answer. I'm the yeah. savior. And I think that that takes a lot of courage and a lot of humility to be able to get there and then find maybe uh, either a counselor or maybe a trusted friend that you can say, hey, I'm, I'm off in these areas. I need your help to help redirect me. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Friends, I hope, I hope you uh, just took that because that is, um, that's 25 years um, of experience just kind of laid out um, and just beautiful wisdom. Um, I hope you just captured maybe one or two axioms or nuggets from this conversation. I mean, I, I, I think the importance of having a, a, a true friend that you can share with um, that's, not tied to a paycheck. Um, and you could maybe even have a counselor. I mean, every, every Monday, 11 AM, I have a counselor's meeting and that's a place for me to just process. Uh, yes, I pay for it, but it is a place for me to share that stuff that I, that just won't heal my soul. Um, maybe for some of you, it's really thinking about the sermon series and, and walking through those five kind of chapters and go, maybe, maybe there's something here for our people. Because I'm telling you what, a more raw and vulnerable and honest uh, community that can name the gap and see it, man, that's just going to be a healthier um, group bearing witness to what Christ is up to and how transformation is possible. Maybe for some of you, it's the the marriage conference and the next step for you, it's just going to refineus.org. That, that could easily be it. Or maybe for you, it's just picking up the book and it's a fantastic read and I endorsed it. Like I, I really, really appreciated it. Um, but please, um, uh, don't leave this episode without maybe just taking a moment and really considering what is my next best right step? What is the Lord asking of me or of my marriage or of my leadership or honestly just trying to address some of those gaps within? Um, because if not what we are saying, is my craft is more important than my character. And friends, I'm just, I can give you a plethora of examples where that just, just isn't going to work. You're going to have to pay rent on um, all of those moments where we have not taken our character seriously. So Justin Davis, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you represent. And um, friends, uh, please, uh, share this podcast, leave a review, go, go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, um, Target, um, any of the place where you go and buy books, local bookstore and, uh, pick this book up. Think about doing a sermon series on it. Um, and really we'll put in the show notes that greater series that, that Justin talked about. Maybe that will be helpful for you. Um, but friends, I hope you have an incredible, incredible, um, couple weeks. And we will be back again on the next Craft and Character podcast. Grace and peace. Mm-hmm.